What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jules Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson and Jake Galley. This past week in sports, everyone, the Sixers and the Nuggets both lost their Game 7s. Mm. After everything said and done, my 76ers, I just want to touch on this very quickly. Mm. You know those very rare moments in life that you are fully present, fully there, emotionally, attentively, completely with yourself? Okay. Do you know those moments? I'll begin with a positive one for me. Sixers 2008 win. Shane Victorino's bowling ball, head, eyes popping out, running towards the mound. They won, yeah! This was one of those moments I will never forget for the opposite reasons. That Kawhi shot will be engraved in all of Philadelphia fans' subconscious until the end of time. I'm already having my nightmares about it. I don't know about you two. How about is, you, I, I should say, Jake. Yeah. He is, I know. <laughs> I've internalized all the pain. <laughs> kind of over it. Well, I'm wearing my 21 jersey this uh, week. Uh, we're going to be bigger and back more than ever next year. Uh, watch out. All right, guys. NCAA also proposed a rule change that would allow athletes to make money off their name. That needs to go through. That's got to happen. Keep going, but that's got to happen. <laughs> the NBA Conference Finals also started. Hey, here's a fact straight at you as well. The Warriors without KD have roughly the same win percentage that they do with KD. Does this mean the Warriors can afford to rest KD the entire series against Portland to make sure he's 100% for the NBA Finals? Uh, no. No, it doesn't. So, <laughs> so on the broadcast last night, I forget who, which of the announcers said it, but like, they might look better than KD, but you go ahead and ask anyone in that organization if they're better than KD. And, and, and without KD. ask anybody in the NBA if they're better. Ask any any team. Is any team better without Kevin Durant? And that's just going to be a straight They're just no. different. Like It's not necessarily that they're better or worse. I, mean, I think they're equally as good no. without him as they proved in game one, uh, which we'll get into uh, right now. But the Warriors without KD the last three years, including the playoffs, um, Houston was 11-7. and seven. We, we, we mentioned they were able to get past Houston uh, against the Warriors with KD playing, uh, and they finished 0-6. So the thing is, like, year. obviously they are better when KD's around, mm -hmm. but either way it is supreme importance that Kevin Durant does return at some point before they face the other side being Giannis or Kawhi, right? right. Like, for me, I my strong belief he's going to return game five. Uh, I, I do think he returns this series because I don't think you want to hold him out the entire conference finals yeah. and then put him back in the finals because then you risk not having good chemistry and good, good cohesion with your team. Sure. But just when the Warriors don't have Kevin Durant, they are a more fluid basketball team. Yeah. Like the ball moves so much more. It was what made them so impossible to beat when they went 73-9 and nine and were winning championships before Kevin Durant is how fluid and how easy – in the offense, that ball moved and how the Warriors look. Clay Thompson dribbles more, too. Did you notice that? Well, he has to. And then also yeah. another big contributor, Draymond Green, is like a totally different player. Mm -hmm. He is now, once again, that hands-on facilitator. He runs the pick-and-roll with Steph and Clay, and specifically Steph. Like, either you go ahead and hedge and get on top of the screen, which the Blazers were not doing for whatever reason. I guess they're stuck in, mm -hmm. like, 2013 or something. But either you do that or you go ahead and trap Curry and then he gets it out to Draymond, who's now rolling to the rim, unimpeded. You help and it just starts off that warrior chain reaction where somehow, some way, at the end of it, Clay Thompson's right. wide open for well, a three. It just damn near takes out any ISO ball that was in the Warriors offense. Like it, it, Rightfully so when Kevin Durant gets the ball is a little bit of ISO. 
Um, and then when that happens, the offense kind of goes stagnant, like you see it in Houston, like you see when Kyrie gets the ball with the Celtics. Happens on so many teams that when you have someone going one-on-one, you don't want too many pieces moving mm-hmm. around them. You want to be able to see the whole floor in its entirety. When that doesn't happen, like the Warriors are so hard to guard because everyone is continuing to move. I mean, Curry without KD is 28.6 points per game. Uh, Clay Thompson without KD is 23.9 points per game. That drops both down to about four or five points less when KD is on the floor. And Clay made an interesting point this week when he said, in kind of in passing, uh, in a post-game report, he said, I'm tired of getting the crumbs left over. Well, you just He's mentioned Steph Curry, too. Like, think about it. Like, Steph won two MVPs and then kind of took a step back because, like, like mm-hmm. we talked about last episode, KD molding into teams rather than teams molding to KD because right. of his talent. So it's like, think about it. Right. When have you ever seen a two-time unanimous MVP take a – a step back to somebody. Well, this is a, really a unique culture in that they're all, all of them, until really the Clay comment, were okay doing that. Like, I've never heard any of them mouth off. Also, in terms of, like, crumbs, without KD, Clay averages three more points per game. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not really catastrophic where, oh, no, I'm losing three points a game. I'm getting the crumbs. Like, with KD, he's still almost averaging 21 points per game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what his gripe is with that. I mean, uh, no, no star, no all-star wants to be the third best player on their team, which is ridiculous. But when you're winning three rings, yes, you do. That's, that, that's the concept behind it, I thought. It's, a, it's, it's, it's more than that. And, and when you're such a prolific player and sometimes a game-changing player like Klay Thompson is, it's just if I got to play third fiddle sometimes, if I got to play third fiddle on this specific game because someone's got the high hand, cool. But it's that's their game plan where he's the third option on offense. He doesn't like that. And so here's some stats on that really quick. Kevin Durant, um, without Kevin Durant, the Warriors are 28 and 10, which is a 60 win pace compared to a 61 win pace, 155 and 53 with KD. That's a difference of like one win, which is what we kind of alluded to at the top of the show. Um, but as we said, I, I don't well, think there's anyone in the universe who wouldn't want KD playing. Right, but you touched on Draymond Green's role, and Draymond Green before Kevin Durant came was really seen as like the facilitator of that team in that offense. Even when he comes off the pick and roll and Steph Curry, he has a wide open court and a wide open lane to facilitate, and like 90% of the time, Draymond Green makes the right decision off of that play. Mm-hmm. When KD's in there, Draymond doesn't get that facilitator role. I KD's think it's important to note, time. though, too, like Steph Curry's 17 points better when he is on the floor versus off. Yeah. Like, so it's like, it's pick and choose your battles mm-hmm. here. He has... A, well, KD commands more attention. Right, so exactly. Stuff gets open a little He's more. more of an alpha, yep. Right. Well, let's, and, let's talk about what the, the Blazers are doing with the Warriors without Kevin Durant. Um, like, if you watched game one last night, you would have thought that not having Kevin Durant would aid the Blazers defensive scheme at least a little bit and they just looked lost you mentioned i don't know if they were stuck in 2013 oh they looked lost last it's night it's back he's back baby can't play canter he, <laughs> he's a cancer is what he is uh, cancer it, cancer it is crazy because <laughs> like he's known and the reason that um i think he maybe wasn't getting minutes on new york other than him not being part of their long-term plans was also you you cannot play him in any sort of pick and roll defense which without kd as you said it's less iso where he can kind of coexist in that defense no he's got to be active and there's way too many times where they would go under the screen and then he would just be two feet in the paint 
and Steph or Clay or whoever it was would just rip that shot. Well, what what I think helps them is even when there's not a high pick and roll, when the ball is at the top of the key and they're waiting for screams to happen, that ball's got to be pressured. Like you can't just allow. Oh someone right, they to weren't sit doing there that either. And yeah, survey right. the, and survey the court. The ball, they're off them one two feet, just allowing them to dribble and wait for Clay Thompson to come off screens. Who was still coming off screens wide open? That blows my mind as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I don't understand how you go under a screen versus the Warriors in. 2019, like those that those words should not form a sentence that is true mm-hmm. <laughs> nowadays. Yeah, just as far as Steph goes too, he's literally strolling around those picks, right? They're mm-hmm. like, they're so that it's not going to work this series, right? Only thing you can really think of is they were tired coming off of the Sunday game, but like still, that's kind of not an excuse really because they're only going to pick up from here. No, this should right? be right. This yeah, is like so the pinnacle really... of all of their careers. I don't the tired excuse for game one. Uh, you can't really go off of. I will say what I am looking forward to is the beef that kind of started brewing in the summertime with Kevin Durant oh, and with yeah. CJ McCollum. Um, and he came on CJ's podcast and Kevin Durant kind of shoo shoo, you know, got, you know, you can, you don't have to worry about the things at the top and essentially said, you're not a contender. And here they are face to face. Well, not yet. Kevin Durant has played, but face to face, um, against the Warriors now. And CJ McCollum in game one, I don't think looked that good. No, I mean, the entire Blazers team didn't look that good. But CJ McCollum opened up a whole game for the Blazers that everyone, including the Warriors and the rest of the NBA, thought was dead. And that's that mid range game. Mm-hmm. Like the mid range game. Him and Kawhi bringing it back. <laughs> in, both, in both game sevens were, was alive. You couldn't have told anybody it was a lost art. Um, he was He's one of the most efficient mid range players in the NBA this season. He shot 53% on ISO pull ups, which were the two daggers he hit against. Uh, against Denver in Game Seven. I was just gonna um, say the months. Game Seven. He he had a big first quarter in Game mm-hmm. Seven. Mm-hmm. They won that game because of CJ. They did, no, <laughs> he no, was yeah. fantastic no at thirty-seven points. Yeah. yeah, no fans or buts about it. Which goes back to my point that Damian Lillard just has to be better. Right. Yeah. No doubt. And also, let's give a supreme shout out to my man CJ. Lehigh product, yeah. local product, and also he beat the Dukies in what was it like 2015, 2013, 20, yeah, 2013, something like out, that. It's the Austin Rivers team, yeah, yeah. and uh, that was awesome. And he really did take over. Was was phenomenal uh, in that game seven. In, in game seven, he said it in his post game interview. You know, uh, Roz Goldenwood asked him like, "What what what makes you so able to step up to this moment?" And he's like, "I, I got it out the mud ever since." <laughs> college now that's a lot mud from lehigh, from lehigh right <laughs> that he's using that term literally but he's meaning i came from a big major and now am an all-star caliber player in the right. nba no, no, no. he's it's used to having to come from the bottom and and get his almost and he and he did that and he he was uh, a huge improvement over last year the, the the difference in his play the maturation in him the maturation in dame lillard this postseason damian lillard uh is shooting 57.1 on true per, true shooting percentage compared to last year which was 47 percent but that's, but that's a lot coming from the OKC series. OKC oh, series. right, 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 like right. He, was, he won them that series, 100%. Right. CJ McCollum won them the Denver series, mm-hmm. and ne- neither of them won them game Did you one. hear what Damian Lillard said Like within the past couple of days? He goes, Warriors are a better matchup than the Nuggets in terms of personnel, mm-hmm. and they are better perimeter-oriented team. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they've obviously shown that. That, so sounds, that sounds great, but then if you know that, they guard the three. Right, yeah, it's a better it. matchup, yeah. but we're just not going to play the scheme that we know slows the Warriors down. Uh, look, you're you're not wrong. Lillard, McCollum have been phenomenal this playoffs, but I also look to guys like Rodney Hood and even Evan Turner. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Evan <laughs> Turner. It, it hurts It doesn't even hurt me. It just, like, makes me kind of, like, chuckle and go, wow, where's where's the time going? Yeah. There was one time where I was – he was he was the future of the Sixers. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that some other day. Rodney Hood 
<laughs> Averaged 14.7 points per game versus Denver. Uh, made the game winner in game three. Mm -hmm. Scored 25 in game six. He's a guy who, when you just watch, like if you picked out all the good Rodney Hood plays and just strung them together in a highlight reel, it's like, wow, that guy is probably an elite level scorer. But then when you watch the whole game, it's like he'll fade in and out. It's like he's not sure of himself at times. It'll go through these cold streaks. He wouldn't come off the bench for Cleveland in mm. the finals. Was it last year? Last year. Refused to come into the game. Like, uh, Rodney Hood's a guy who, if he ever puts it together and can get back to where he was, just at the minimum, get back to where he was, where he was on the Jazz and he was a dynamic scorer, like, this team really does have a break. Well, now he's got a hyperextended knee, so right. what's he going to do about yeah. that? He is put in a better you. place than he is in Portland than he was last year with Cleveland. I think he averaged 5.4 game, 5.4 points per game last postseason with Cleveland. He's already surpassed that insurmountably in these playoffs, but he's in a, a much better format. Like, Rodney Hood is also a good mid-range player. Um, and with LeBron's, LeBron's Cavs last year, he wasn't interested in anything from mid-range. Uh, the Blazers kind of have adopted that and accepted that. Uh, he's got a better role. He's got better players who are more willing to share the ball um, mm -hmm. in, in isolated circumstances than he was with Cleveland. He's just in a better situation. Well, and he's more empowered. But let me ask you this question. So long-term view of Portland a lot of people viewed this year as kind of the year mm -hmm. where if you don't do it, if you don't, if you don't get to, I guess, the Western Conference Finals where you meet the Warriors, blow it up. then you blow it up. They're now playing the Warriors without KD, at least in that first game, played Warriors without KD and kind of had everything that they had answered. Right. The Warriors had an answer for everything. So even if KD leaves, you're still going to have these Warriors do you think they might still blow it up? I mean, I don't know. I probably wouldn't, but... I don't think you can fully assess this team when you lost your third, maybe That's your true. second Nurkic. best player at the yeah. time when you lose Nurkic. Especially someone who can minimize Draymond Green on the boards. No, he would have been a problem for would have It would have been a problem for a matchup nightmare, especially since they don't have Boogie. And he's much better on defense than Canner is. Like, I think to fully assess where your team is, everyone's got to be healthy. Uh, I agree. So nobody's really... It's. Obviously, nobody's really giving them a chance, right? Like, KD got in their heads back in July. Mm -hmm. But, like, they're kind of not giving e themselves a chance either. They need to, like, realize their potential. I think they still have a good matchup here. I don't think this is over. I think it's going to come very oh, close. Oh, yeah. You, look, I'm not going to pull a Paul Pierce. No, I'm not about to say this is so over <laughs> after game one. Come on, man. I mean, look, if, if they get ransacked in game two, then it looks Maybe really we'll bad. Talk about but, they're, yeah. but they're a very good home team. So, like, like I said, you still have a chance to go home and hold serve for two games, which... I'm pretty sure they have a winning record against Golden State in the regular mm -hmm. season. So they've done it, you know, but the playoffs is a is a whole new beast. Uh, but that's the Western Conference. So I do gonna, want to touch on one more thing. Go ahead, go ahead. The Curry versus Curry. I think that's a little funny. That, the yeah. Curry, a little awkward the for their family bowl members. In, uh, yeah, they had the Clee Game Bowl <laughs> in Game of Thrones, and now we have the Curry Bowl, which, like, I, it was very interesting watching their parents like flip a coin to the side who was gonna wear what it must be nice but, but it was it funny be nice. because the mom still wore both so she Aww. had she had Seth <laughs> on the front and Steph on the back that, for Portland <laughs> that, was, that was not worried about wearing <laughs> no well poor Steph because he has zero rings and his bro is over here with right. three right. and he's Here's, just like Steph, yo Steph Curry Steph Curry is the ultimate big brother like not like those were my parents first. You mm -hmm. don't get any shine. Like, he was on the post-game interview, and he was like, I looked at my mom when she stood up, and I saw all Trailblazers gear. And <laughs> he said I was kind of upset. Like, Mom, whose side are you on? But that's her son, too. Well, yeah. here's the thing. Like, if you're a parent, obviously, you're going to cheer. You want 
your two boys to go 100 for 100. Keep and equal, whatever the yeah, result right. of the game is the result of the game. But, yeah, I did find that very funny. Like, the parents in the stands, and there was, like, a whole coin flip and all that. But it was very interesting. There, someone someone said that the, the Curry family is the royal family of the NBA, and I almost threw up in my mouth. Uh, all right. Uh, on that note. <laughs> right, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, let's talk about the Eastern Conference now. Uh, a game that will be played just for everyone's transparency. A game that is played while we are shooting or right after we film this episode. Um, so we're talking about it in more like overarching um, terms. But um, this is the first time Eastern Conference will have home court in the finals since 2013. We have the number one and number two overall seeds in the NBA going at it, mainly Kawhi versus Giannis, uh, Milwaukee versus Toronto. It should be a good series. Uh, this is like the first time since I really started being into basketball that LeBron is not the king of the East. Mm-hmm. Um Really? And it's it's honestly kind of a weird feeling, but I, I'm I'm super excited. I personally like Milwaukee in this series. Why? I think that they're a much more complete team. And what we saw, and you know, I don't want to be too reactionary because on paper the Raptors have a very thorough one through like six, seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the guys who were minimized in the Philly series, I think you can hats off to Philly for for doing a good job on defense minus versus Kawhi. Uh, now. I don't even think, like, most of the time Kawhi is guarded by Middleton, who is a very good defender, and if that doesn't work, they're able to counter and go to Giannis, who is just a black hole on defense. Mm-hmm. He's so long and quick, he could swallow it. I really think it's going to come down to home court advantage in this series mm-hmm. and deciding the series just because, really, Kawhi carried his team throughout this last playoffs run that he had with the Sixers. Yet Giannis, though, gets buckets in the paint whenever he damn well pleases, and it, it has all around a better team. So Whenever it's kind of well like, okay, this is going to be neck and neck again, mm-hmm. which, which makes for good TV. So I'm, just real quick, just to touch on that Middleton point, Middleton right. guarded Kawhi on 64% of possessions in the regular seasons. When they matched up against him, he held Kawhi to 11 of 27 shooting. That's not the end of the world, but it's certainly not the – crazy clip but that we, Kawhi was but going we off see, at. But we see that you can throw those kind of regular season stats out the oh, window. Oh, out the window, yeah. Because Especially Ben's, with Ben's, now Kawhi. Look, right? Ben oh Simmons guarded Kawhi very good in the regular season, too, and Kawhi gave this man buckets in Game 7. Yeah. And when it when it matters, Kawhi, Kawhi gets his. And let's, let's talk about Kawhi from an efficiency standpoint. Like, he is one of the most efficient players in the NBA, if not the most efficient player in the NBA. But in that Philly series, he got off to bad starts majority of the games. I would say... Four of the seven games in that series, Kawhi got off to a bad start in the first quarter or first half and turned it around beautifully. He's able to do that now against the Bucs, and the Bucs don't have a Joel Embiid inside to be a dominant shot-blocking force uh, to really take Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka out of the game. Their main rim protector is Giannis. Giannis. I mean, when you have a seven-foot guy, and especially, here's the thing, if they're going to be able to hide Giannis on, like, a non-shooter, like, I think what probably will shake out is they're going to dare the Raptors to, you're going to have to beat us with Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka shooting mid-range to long-range jumpers, um, and we're going to stick Giannis on one of those guys, and he's going to be able to help. You're not going to get anything driving to the rim. So, yeah, to beat Giannis, make him take as many difficult shots as possible. I think that's what it comes down to, just because he's going to take those shots regardless. Just make him take less of those shots. Is there a way to contain Kawhi? Kawhi did a lot of heavy lifting in the last mm-hmm. uh, series. Uh, we need some secondary uh, scoring from Toronto. Will they have enough? To do it repetitively, will they have enough consistency beyond Kawhi? 
Time will tell. I, I think putting Giannis on Kawhi shuts down Kawhi. It opens up other matchup opportunities for the Raptors on other places. Um, but on the 31 possessions that Giannis guarded Kawhi in the regular season, Kawhi only put up three shot attempts against him. Like, he neutralized him, but I think that does open the door for a Siakam to go loose. For Sergi Baca, who actually hurt the Sixers a lot in Game 7. I wasn't even saying, like, we're going to make Serge beat us as, like, a disrespectful thing. Mm. I just think that if you have to pick your poison, those are the two Absolutely. guys who, who, are, or who are the weak links. Uh, and be honest with me. Does anyone who wins it, whether it's the Raptors or the Bucks, do they really have a chance of beating Golden State? I think the Bucks. I think the Bucks have I a better too. chance than the Raptors I because the Bucks play better in transition. The Raptors want to slow the game down, and against the Warriors, like when you try to slow the game down, they just end up running past you. But it's interesting the transition point between these two teams because the Raptors don't like to play on a fast, loose, run up and down type game, but they can do it when they want to. And they led the league in points per possession on transition this year, which means the amount of times that they got in transition, they were the best team at finishing those opportunities. But on the contrary, the Bucks were the best team in defending transition plays. True clash of styles. It really yeah. is. What's, what was funny about, for me, to, for Toronto, was Kyle Lowry, it almost seems like he just does enough to get by. But he's, you know what I mean? He's like, it's done just in time. Right. He's not a good postseason player, he's but like he just like, does enough. Right, he'll, yeah. he'll do re- be really good in the regular season then when it comes That's to That's an interesting matchup, too, because he wants to be this, like, bowling ball, reckless, especially when he's not getting it going. He wants to be this, you know, disruptive force for the other team. But you're going against Eric Bledsoe, who is a little Tasmanian devil in himself has been known to get in people's heads. So that mm-hmm. that little style that Kyle Lowry likes to play may not work against And I'll, I'll just say this about the matchup versus the Warriors. I think the Bucks have a very good chance, and, and part of that is because the Eastern Conference is actually going to have home court mm-hmm. for the first time since 2013. The Warriors, I mean, that was the big advantage is uh, pretty much every time that LeBron's going to meet them the past couple of years, it's been four games in Golden State or well, hasn't gotten to that every time. But I mean, it's also but it's also two Eastern Conference teams who haven't been on that stage in freaking oh, forever. forever. The Bucks forever. haven't been there since well, what, seventy four? And the Raptors <laughs> have never been there. So yeah. it's 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 two teams, two fan bases, two organizations that the people there now aren't used to being in that stage. Especially when you gotta go up against the Warriors. Like tough task, man. You finally get back to the finals for the first time in forever for both your franchises and you gotta go against, you know, the best the best franchise in the modern I'm era. I'm just right thinking now. though too. Like, Milwaukee does have a really good bench, but the Raptors also have an older roster, but that's not necessarily well, a more great thing, so you can debate that, right? right? There were there were two, they're probably the two best benches in the league in the regular yeah. season. The difference is, Milwaukee's bench hasn't gone silent in the playoffs. Yeah. Toronto's bench has actually gone silent a little bit. Oh, 100%. Against the Sixers, it was like the two teams were playing seven guys. Right. I mean, like, there was people who would just get no rest. Uh, I don't think that'll be the case. I think with because the Bucks do have that strong second unit, it will maybe implore the Raptors to kind of play that type game and they can play their uh, bench. Both of the teams actually have a guard who are very important on their bench that is now injured. Brogdon for Milwaukee and OG Anunboy for the Raptors. Brogdon is back for Right, so Brogdon, Brogdon right coming back. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know. I think in all it'll come down to can Giannis – impede or be impeded by Kawhi, whose who's will will win out between the two stars. And also, if, if the Raptors really want to win this series, 
Marcus Saul or Sergi Baca can't be the best player, the second best player for no, them. Like right. uh, Pascal Siakam, Siakam wanted, has to attack. wanted no parts of the ball at the end of Game Seven against the Sixers. Chris Middleton is not that player. Chris Middleton is a if a Giannis isn't going, I am going type player. And, and if if the Bucks get that from Chris Middleton and the Raptors get what they got from Pascal Siakam in Game Seven, the Bucks will take the series. And Right, that, that, that is that is a pretty good point. Moving along now into the NBA lottery. Uh, enough <laughs> of the right. NBA playoffs. Time to flip and go to the other side of things. And there was some craziness to be had uh, that past night. There was some craziness look, to be had. Can I, can, look, camera zoom in on me right there. The New York Knicks, I am sorry. Like, I am truly I'm am, not. I truly God am. God hates. New York, <laughs> <laughs> really, like something going on. Like I, I am, I am so I, sorry. New York teams can't get no. luck with. I can't catch with, a break, with, with the drafts, I can, man. I like, cannot tell you how know. elated I was to see. I didn't have to wait. Boom, boom. New York and LA. Neither of them are getting Zion. That was like a very like. Obviously, the Sixers found out found out the first t- pick that they weren't getting the number one pick. Right. That was like the second best thing that could have happened. Um, but it's it's going to be pretty interesting because now we got Zion possibly going number probably going number one to New Orleans, who obviously has Anthony Davis. That situation is in flux. We talked about this, James, earlier today. What do they do now with Anthony Davis? Uh, I mean, you you gotta. He's he's already said that he doesn't want to play for the Pelicans. He's already gave his list of teams to where. Like, if you trade for me, I'm not going to play for you either. I'm going to sit until I'm a free agent. If you're the Pelicans, don't be stubborn, okay? Don't be hard-headed. He said publicly to you and to everybody that he doesn't want to play there. You have to get something Dude, for him. Dude, no, I think I, I agree with you. I think it's mutual. I think they want him to go at this point now that they have Zion. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's negative they don't energy want on your him. team. He's a top-five player. You can say whatever you want. You don't want AD to go that's in true. any scenario. I think you can wrap your mind around the fact that... AD does want to leave, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but here, here, here's what I'll say. This can all flip, right? Everyone said, oh, the big man is dominant in the NBA until it wasn't. Changes like this happen all the time. In the sense that I'm saying this, players are now more vocal than ever. Kawhi said last year, oh, it doesn't matter who you trade me to, I'm going to L.A. If the Raptors go to the finals, there's a chance that Kawhi signs there after making it the most publicly noted thing, oh, I want to be in L.A. (laughs) If they go to the finals, there's a good chance he signs for four or five years there. Would that change your opinion on Anthony Davis? Like, the same thing can be said because Zion is a generational player. Yes, but the Raptors last year went to the Eastern Conference Finals and then got Kawhi. That's a good point. But they're a loser franchise, too. You make the point about New yes, Orleans but being they, a nothing but they, franchise. But they were good before they got Kawhi. Getting Kawhi just pushed them that much better. Right. The Pelicans were a lottery team. With AD. Getting Zion Williamson doesn't guarantee you even get a playoff spot. Even with AD and Zion, it gives you a pretty good chance. They're still in the Western Conference. So, like, getting getting Zion with AD doesn't necessarily mean you go to the playoffs. Plus, I don't think AD is really, at this point in his career, worried about having to bring a young younger player on to for the ride. To piggyback off yeah. of that, I was literally just going to say that Zion now coming aboard the Pelicans is almost signal- signaling to AD that... That's going to be another two and a half to three years before he develops as a player everyone mm-hmm. would like him to be. He won't want to wait that long. He wants it now. Right. Right? So let's go, let, let's go into fantasy land and say that New Orleans now with one of the most exciting quarters. This is, they're, they're going to wait on trading Anthony Davis. If maybe they didn't get the number one pick. Maybe they would they have should to have traded him. Sorry to cut you off. They should have traded him last season when they got that deal. Well, from we'll the, find from out. The they get a better deal now, which I think now you have more suitors, right? The Knicks now have the third pick that they can throw. Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, and the two picks or like Alonzo Trier or something. And you, mm-hmm. you can get more teams involved. 
But let's say, for instance, that New Orleans somehow lands a free agent like a Paul Millsap or even as crazy as a Clay Thompson, which I don't think would happen. But let's just say. We're in fantasy land. So now your lineup is Drew Holiday, Clay Thompson, Zion, insert role player here. Julius Randle. Joy, well, you probably wouldn't be able to bring him back if you're right. spending money. That's all. That and Anthony right. Davis. Or you put Anthony Davis at the four. We know he doesn't like playing the five. And you put and you bring in some fill-in center. You know. That would be a top two team in the West, and you can't tell me otherwise. Yes, so, I, I mean, it comes down to, it like, good be. GMs, too, right? Like, they care about who they're trading to. It's whatever package mm-hmm. is best. They, like, in the end, this is a business. Yep. This is a business in the end mm-hmm. of the day. Whatever package is right, they're going to go with. Uh, that doesn't make them a top three, t- a top two team in the West because gonna, it's still a guard-dominated league and a three-point shooting. They have two all-star dominated. guards in that setting. They have Drew Holiday, who is turning into one of the best two-way guards in the league. And you have Klay Thompson, who's also one of the best two-way guards in the that's, league. That's very true, but they're still not a better shooting team than most of the teams. Oh, no, no. They're shooting team than the Rockets. They're not a better shooting team They would be an interesting than, team. Than the, than the they would clash, yeah. even if you do bring in Klay. Before because, we move right. on, can we talk about how the Lakers jumped to the fourth pick? Just how much, I guess, is a good way to say how much dysfunction they're having in their organization right now? I mean, that probably is the first... The, First good news the Lakers got in a couple months is mm-hmm. getting that that number four overall pick. They got they got some things they can do with that. Right. Also, just uh, the Lakers. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see. We'll find out is LeBron making these picks or is it someone else exactly. making these she picks the by shots, the pick? Right. I don't have a GM um, yet. Right. right now, they don't so. have a GM yet. <laughs> right now it's LeBron. So, something that I'm really interested in is what broke just a few minutes ago. Granted, this won't be breaking by the time that you guys hear this at home, mm-hmm. but is the Grizzlies saying that they want John Morant? Now, the Grizzlies have built their grit and grind motto for, you know, the last decade since that. I can remember, and, and, and he does fit that. But you still have Mike Conley, a, a layover from mm. that period, who is still a very good player. Now you think about trading him, and, and you have a pretty interesting, like, could you trade him to the Pacers and get DeMontis Sabonis and another player or two that will really help fill out your team? Like, the Grizzlies can, I, I do think, John Morant is the better player, but I don't think he's the better fit. I think he causes you, more more shuffling to be made. You keep Mike Conley if your team remains a contender. The Grizzlies are in no way a, a contender. Right, no, Even with John no. Morant, they're not a, a they're huge contender. Yeah. So you trade Mike Conley, get assets for him, maybe get draft picks for him moving forward, and now you can build with John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and whatever young core you want to go with forward. That's the, the like as, as a young team and a, not a good team, you got to have a clear direction. You keeping Mike Conley and John Morant, especially when they play the same position, like you're, what are you going to do, bring John Morant off the bench? Are you going to bring Mike Conley off the bench? Like now you don't have well, a clear direction. Even as like Have a clear direction. I agree with you. No, and I think they should. But like even if you wanted to make it work, you neither of those guys really fit off ball. Mm-hmm. But I think John Morant does have the pull-up shooting ability to be kind of like a guy who can catch something. Mike, Mike Conley is a point guard through. No, right. He's, you can't he's, have him right, off he's the a straight ball. point guard. Right. Yeah, I mean, guys, uh, we do have to move on just for time's sake. But sure. um, all right, guys, let's uh, combine pop culture and sports and crossover, James. Okay. Well, so we're going to start with you. Mm-hmm. Who is the Damian Lillard Wait. of the rap game? Is isn't Damian Lillard the Damian Lillard? He, That's true. He's yeah, a rapper. Dame Dalla. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll say for the Dave Jobs, who, yeah. who is the Damian Lillard of the rap game. I got to point to my man uh, from Detroit, Big Sean. Um, I think they, they I love Big Sean. They, I, I, and people Boy. love people love <laughs> Damian Lillard, but they kind of both get overlooked in yep. in big picture schemes, right? right? Like when you when I ask you to name my your your top rappers in the game, Big Sean probably isn't on that list. If Not I ask anymore. you to name the best players in the He's NBA, got some bangers too, right? I miss him. And and just like Damian Lillard, if he needs to pop off one time, 
he's going to pop off one time, especially if it's right. for a game or for a verse or for a quarter or for a, a song. Like, they both pop pop off, but you're probably going to leave them off of top five lists, top five players right. in the NBA, top five rappers in the game. They're both on really good teams. Mm. Damian Lillard's on the Blazers, and Big Sean's on good music. Very um, good team. But they're both maybe teams that will get to a Western Conference Finals, but maybe not get to a Finals or win a championship. Mm. But they're still very good teams. You know what I mean? Oh, so I, I they, 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 that was a good one. They, you thought about that last minute. Right, yeah, it was pretty I quick. Like that. But, I mean, it's something we, me and Jake definitely have talked about it before because every time you listen to a Big Sean song, you end up going like this. You end up rocking to him, <laughs> and you're like, man, this guy is so slipped on. Like, why do people sleep oh, on Big Sean? And then when Damian Lillard pulls up for a 30-point game, you're like, why do people sleep on Damian I feel like he fell off a little bit with the whole Ariana Grande stuff. I was about to say, here's the only difference is that they're on different trajectories right now they might have they I'd, I'd say they're they're right about at the middle point they've here, crossed right Lillard's going up and big sean he's... you you say big sean's going down not going up sean, all right this sean, is this gonna drop, be... a banger, <laughs> drop a banger album and prove this man wrong. yeah it's gonna be a whole nother segment here uh jake who's the aaron Rodgers of game of thrones another so, game of thrones one well all right bro it's the most successful series ever listen maybe you should have gotten on board when you could but aaron Rodgers, for those who do watch you know uh, or maybe you don't. It was pretty quick. He's in the latest Game of Thrones episode just for a half second. He gets like incinerated by Daenerys's dragon. <laughs> um, Jewel, I know as a Packers fan, that like kind of makes you maybe cringe or something. But I didn't know he was gonna. Well, for one, Jewel's I don't watch the show. Used to watching Aaron Rodgers get incinerated. <laughs> oh. All right, chill. Uh, <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk in a couple um, weeks now. But so I would compare him to Mr. Sandor Clegane, better known as the Hound. So uh, the Hound in the show. What? All right, listen, man. <laughs> In, like, a year when James is totally caught up <laughs> and he's, like, looking back on these episodes. I'll get yeah. it. All right. Regardless, he's Sandor Clegane. Look, he has bad family relations. Aaron Rodgers doesn't talk injury to his history. injury history. Do yeah, you know that he makes his family pay to go to games? Like, no, like, I know that he doesn't. Like, like his family was, was involved in, like, the California fires and he didn't even call his mom to, like, make sure that they're okay, make sure they is, got is out. Is Aaron Rodgers just, like, a douchebag? Uh, kind of. Weird? But regardless, he has Talking incredible terms, yeah. feats of strength. <laughs> He's able to come back after a crazy injury. Uh-huh. Thought he was done. He he goes and plays out the entire season, plays out the entire series. Um, and, yeah, and also they have uh, some nice brown facial hair as well. There you go. There you <laughs> that, go. That ties it together. Pretty, pretty, pretty similar goatee-ish type looks right there. Uh, but I wish I could comment on it. I don't know Game of Thrones. It sounded pretty sound tight, though. That sounded like the, if like, you know, you know. Right. Okay. All right, Jewel. Let me ask you because she was like really excited about this one. <laughs> she wouldn't even tell. She us. won't tell she us. Won't she won't even oh, tell yeah. us what her. So okay, okay. So tell me then, Jewel. Who is the Kawhi Leonard of the movie world? I'm excited to hear about this. So movie. you know, I love characters more say than actual actors, actors right? Yeah. Human beings, I guess you could put it this way. Screw them. Kawhi Leonard, I'm convinced after what we witnessed in his last game mm-hmm. versus the Sixers, especially his post game, how emotionless he was. <laughs> well, MB's over there crying <laughs> in uh, Saul's arms right. and showing actual like emotion, crying to his girlfriend. He kept a straight face, right? Okay. Kawhi Leonard to me is one of the Velociraptors out of the Lost World or oh, Jurassic Park. There you go. This is they are vicious, but they are also discreet. Mm-hmm. Velociraptor means speedy thief. Mm. If you look it up, so not only is Kawhi speedy when he plays, but he's a thief for stealing the dreams yeah. and aspirations from the Sixers yeah. and all Philadelphia this year for our playoff run. There it is. There it is. There it is. Sixers and nine. Sixers and nine. And and just like a Velociraptor, especially the Velociraptors in 
Jurassic World and Jurassic Park, you could try to hide from them, which they try to do throughout the entire movie. Kawhi will find Wait, you. Wait, what about how? Kawhi will get what you. about Doris Burke dwelling on the amount of times oh, that Kawhi went up yeah. with the hands? Oh, stretch. Doris Burke oh, dear was God. beside herself. I almost herself. left the bar. I almost <laughs> went, left the bar. I was at. Yeah, Doris Burke. I was really beside herself looking at Kawhi's hands. It's not hands. been a great week for ESPN oh, uh, women commentator Rachel Nichols on that NBA draft lottery. Was and I love Rachel. Cringe. Nichols. I think she's very, very good at her job. She I made it very Rachel clear that Zion was going to number one to everyone in the building. Building, including all the other draft picks, <laughs> yeah, we're all sitting next to him. Yeah. That's hilarious. But Joel, that was that was a good one. That was a good one. Velociraptor. Any any place for the Raptors? I don't even know if you <laughs> oh, well, that's, to do that. Of course. Well, no. Uh, right. It wasn't not intentional. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. There you, go, there you go. All right, guys. Let's head into the countdown. Number five. Number five is for the number of players who have hit a series-winning buzzer beater. Um, that's Damian Lillard twice against 2015 against the Rockets and this year against the uh, OKC Thunder. MJ did it twice. Ralph Sampson did it once. John Stockton did it once. And now add one Kawhi Leonard, if we mm. haven't heard it enough, that Kawhi Leonard hit a buzzer beater and joins that elite list. I mean, look, you know, uh, Max Kellerman might have been stupid for calling him a better clutch oh, shooter he's feeling great about than, than, than Kobe, <laughs> but then right after he said that, Kawhi hit a, one of the most clutch buckets in NBA history. He stepped on the rim was the honor the other four players. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. Hey, Each bounce was to, the souls to of honor the everyone else. Yeah. Four, four, four skips were the number of heartbeats that I skipped in right. that moment of time for right. me. Look, Kawhi's going to go down as, a, as an all-time closer. Maybe not better than Kobe, but somewhere in the yeah. all-time list. Yep, agreed. Number four. The number of teams able to move up in the NBA draft in the new NBA draft yeah, please explain, lottery please explain format. This to everybody. So prior to the adjustments that they made, there was only three spots that if you were in any order, like when they talk about moving up, it's not like if I'm like the 14th team, I can move up to nine. Mm -hmm. It's either you're 14th and you move up to one, two, or three. Okay. Now it's one, two, three, or four, and they also harshly reduce the odds of all the teams. Now the top three teams have the same exact percentage to get the number one overall pick. The number 14 has only 1.5% less of a chance, and overall this kind of smooths out the odds which of, is, like, right. which which people will say will will uh, take away tanking. I don't think so, but either way, it was very interesting to see play I mean, it's, it's how a team like the Grizzlies, who didn't, uh, no one thought they were mm -hmm. going to get the The Pelicans had a 6% chance, by right. the way. That, and, that was their percentage. And then the Grizzlies get the number two pick. So two teams people didn't think were going to get it. Got sure. It. Number three. Number three is the number of Duke players expected to go top 10 in this year's draft. You have obviously Zion Williamson, but then you also have RJ Reddit, uh, RJ Barrett, sorry, and Cam Reddish. Uh, look, let's not sleep on these two other players from Duke. Everyone knows about RJ, but I think Cam Reddish is getting, as he did in the regular season with Duke, getting glossed over a little bit, that's a player that can really help a team like the Lakers, How really help a team like the Knicks maybe if they want to take a chance on them. I think you'll see him move up in draft boards. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Two. In times of a LeBron-led team has had a top 10 pick. James, you segue perfectly into this. I think Cam Reddish is going to be their pick. Mm -hmm. I've said this to you. Uh, by the way that he can play with LeBron, his size, his shooting ability, and the fact that he signed the Clutch Sports, I know that you don't like that, but I think it plays a big factor. I mean, I don't think the Clutch Sports thing has a big factor, but I do think that he would help the Lakers. And look, it's the first time in LeBron's career that he's excited that his team has a top five draft pick, so that's going to be interesting. Number one, and I am here for this Number one. Number one is the number of MVPs one Allen Iverson has. Go. I know that seems a little bit irrelevant, but it, today is the 18-year anniversary of that happening. That's when he never took, irrelevant. When he took the 0-1-6ers to the finals. Look, I've been saying this before. If you know me, you've probably heard me say 
Davis. If you give Allen Iverson a 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", frame, a la Michael, MJ, or Kobe, you're looking at the best player of all time. Yeah. Just hands down, probably the most raw, talented, most talented NBA player in history. You give him that kind of frame, and there's really I, nothing Allen Iverson couldn't well, do. I agree with you, but you could argue that his small frame is what led him to be so fearless and so ferocious. I mean, you could put that handle with a guy who can actually take right, hits yeah, and go in down low. Come on now. Yeah. Come on now. All right. That's all the time we have. Now we're going at the buzzer. Julie, you have anything to say at the buzzer? I do. The next random IRS number employment specialist student loan person oh, who calls him, me. Yeah, talk to him. I'm doing black magic on your ass. <laughs> that okay. is, I probably have a call right now. Yeah, probably. Probably have three calls. And, and, and to aid to that, if you don't have the balls to actually be a person to call me, I'm tired of answering my phone. Hello. It's we great. are calling on behalf of, like, no. If you're going to pull up, pull up so I can yell dude, at an I actual three person. three unknown numbers call me today, along with two IRS and one student loan, dude. Mm-hmm. That's five you in owe, one day. That means you owe some money. This mm-hmm. <laughs> Jake, got something to say at the buzzer. Uh, yeah, I got another ticket today in Philly. I'm so uh, tired. It's like, really? James, you saw it and laughed at me, so I don't even like it. <laughs> because I knew where you parked. Where'd you get it? Uh, it was right out front of, uh, it was on Allegheny Avenue. You should have chance why I parked there. Yeah. It was kind of drawing where I, yeah. I, I, I was almost like in a little side street, but I, like, I'm going to fight, just like you're going to fight the IRS. I'm going to fight the Philadelphia Parking Agency, and we're going to win, Jewel. It's going to be a better America. <laughs> we will both lose. Uh, speaking <laughs> speaking of drawing, let me talk about something that's drawing. I-76. Anyone who has ever driven on I-76 can probably attest that this may be one of the worst highways mm-hmm. in America. There is not a time, Monday through Sunday, 12 to 12, that there is not traffic somewhere on this highway because it's awful. a it's a it's highway awful. leading into a major city. What other highway in America leads into a major city and is two lanes? You know, <laughs> We got way too many people going to the city for y'all to be two lanes, dog. Yeah. And then they want to do construction at... 12 p.m. in the afternoon? Like, come on, man. Like, I need to be able to get from point A to point B in a fluid motion at least one time. You need to get your hover car, bro. Just one time. I know you something that would make you feel better on 76. Singing the 76er song. Oh, that is true. 76 If you're a Sixers fan, then. And that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and Stat Matt Robinson behind the camera from my partner, Jewel Schmitz. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. To my main guy, Jake Galley. I'm James Jackson, and these have been the facts. Straight up.